Good afternoon, Pennsylvania, and welcome to another edition of What Really Matters as we talk with Charlie Giroux, candidate for governor here for the Republican nomination, uh, here, and we talk about the things that really matter to you, and each week we have kind of a one-word description of what we're going to talk about. Today it's dreams. How's that for an easy one? And, you know, when our, when our child is first born, Charlie, you know, there's that first moment of joy, and I think part of that joy is a dream, at least for a fleeting moment, that what they're going to be someday. So we look around and, you know, we all have dreams, don't we, as what we, what we want for our children. I think I know I did for my daughter. I know you did for your sons. But, you know, they're only a starting point. And dreams, it seems to me, are kind of ideas that haven't yet been touched by life. You have an interesting starting point in your life because you had a mother who had a dream for you and yet your mother wasn't there to see the realization of that dream. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? We've never really chatted about that before in detail. No, we haven't, Gary. It's interesting. I haven't chatted about it with a lot of my friends through the years. Right. It's just not something that you bring up in ordinary conversation. But I wasn't born here in the United States. I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I wasn't born here. I was born in a slum in southern Brazil. And my birth mother realized that she couldn't take care of me. So she put me up for adoption. And when she went to that little mission to put me up for adoption, she asked for one thing. She said, I want my baby to go to America because she thought that in the United States, the greatest nation in the history of the world, that perhaps, maybe, I'd be able to learn how to read. Hmm. And so that was her dream. And she realized that here in the United States, dreams could be fulfilled. Dreams really happened. It was the American dream that was at the soul of my birth mother when she turned me over to some wonderful people who adopted me. Have you ever gone back to find your birth mother? Really impossible, Gary, because in those days, if you were poor, and this is poverty we can't even imagine, right. you didn't get a birth certificate because wow. they cost money. And so to try to find my birth mother would be... Literally impossible. You know, it's amazing when you think about it and, and you think about your mother, uh, your birth mother. And she did maybe one of the most unselfish acts you could ever imagine in giving you a chance to fulfill a dream. And I know it must have crossed your mind at some point in time. What must go through her mind over the, over the years? Well, it has. And, you know, I think about her often. I love her from the bottom of my soul, even though I've never met her, yeah. so to speak. She carried me for nine months and loved me so much that she gave me up. And, uh, you know, that is, as you said, the ultimate selfless act. And, uh, you know, the parents that adopted me gave me all the love and all the nurture and all the care that any kid could ever hope for. So I have been incredibly blessed. It's beyond fulfilling a dream for me. It really is. I, I could not have asked for anything more in this life than what the good Lord has handed me. What do you think she'd say about you today? I think she'd be happy that I learned how to read. You know, it was interesting, Gary. I was at a baptism earlier this year. The baptism was the granddaughter of the president of Brazil. Mm -hmm. And at the luncheon following the baptism, we were led into this hall, and I couldn't find my tent card at my place. Right. And I kind of was realizing that maybe they didn't speak English that well, and they had overlooked me. So I sat on the edge of the room, and... One of the staff there came over to me and said, we have to take your seat. I said, well, I didn't see a card. He said, oh, well, come with me. And took me to the seat right next to the president mm. of Brazil. Okay. And in that moment, I thought, what my birth mother, who really thought that I would always be a slave, literally thought that I'd right. be a servant my entire life, here is her baby sitting next to the president of her country. 
humble beginnings and now sitting there next to the president of Brazil, it's, uh, it's quite a journey. You were then adopted by some very loving parents who helped to continue that dream of maybe just a little bit more than just being able to read English and, and read. Talk about that, too. I was adopted by Christian missionaries. We came back to the United States, not by their choice. My dad got sick. He got yellow fever and was forced to leave the tropics. And we came back to the United States. And as I say, I was really blessed to be raised in Pennsylvania, which is the cradle of liberty and, you know, really, I think, exemplified in so many ways the American dream of individual liberty and personal responsibility and all the things we talk about in, uh, when we discuss the future of Pennsylvania. But my parents that adopted me, who really are my parents, were the best people. I, you know, my dad is still my hero. He's been gone for a lot of years, yeah. and I miss him every single day. I mean, there are still times, Gary, where something good will happen and say, i got to call my dad. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> I can't do that yet. Um, and he's been gone quite a while. My mom still lives. She's almost 100 years old, and uh, we spend a lot of time together. We have a lot of fun together. She's uh, incredibly young at heart. I mean, you look right. at her, and physically she looks like she's about 70, and I think her soul is still about 25, Right. and she's going strong. We, we have a great relationship and a lot of fun together. What's the biggest advice they gave to you as you went along? I know your mother kind of teases you a little bit, and, and, and you know, we all remember our dads, especially if they're not here anymore, but... What do you remember as like the most poignant advice they gave you? My dad had a great set of expressions that he would pass on to us that encapsulated what he thought we ought to believe right. and how we ought to act. One of the things that he always used to say was, before you tell me what you're going to do, show me what you've done. And I really tried to make that one of my mantras through life. One of the other things he used to say is, I do what I say. In other mm. words, just tell the truth. And if you commit to doing something, make sure it gets done. Don't leave it half-baked along the side of the road. My mom, she was much more to the point. Whenever we would leave the house, she would always say, remember who you belong to. Wow. And I don't think she was talking about her and my dad, talking about the good Lord who was watching yeah. over us all the time. She always said, remember. So we have dreams that other people set for us. Your birth mother set a dream of being able to read, perhaps speak some English. You had your... Adoptive parents who then are kind of laying out some groundwork for you there on how you're going to operate And now you get to inherit the dream now We take it for ourselves and we have to run with it What's the first memory you have of really having a dream for your life as to what you wanted to do? Well, my first dream Gary was to play in the NBA and I held that dream until reality crashed. I had it all planned out, right. you know, the college scouts coming after me and, you know, getting drafted, mm -hmm. probably like one or two, and uh, that didn't work out so well, uh, nor did my dream of being a professional baseball player. Okay. So once athletics got passed, I really had a dream of getting into the workplace and being productive. You know, I always wanted to do things that mattered. And we're talking about what really matters. I always just wanted to do things that mattered. Yeah. I wanted to be vital. I wanted to be helpful. I wanted to help other people fulfill their dreams. And, you know, in teaching along the way, uh, you, you were a teacher. You know, you really get the opportunity to help form and fashion young people's lives and impact their dreams and make them come uh, to fruition. So that was really, I think, the first sense of, you know, a dream for me. Uh, and then, of course, you dream about leaving for your children something that was better than you inherited. Right. And, you know, that's a tall mountain to climb because I inherited an awful lot of blessings. When you look at your schooling, tell, take us through a little bit where you went and, and 
and, and maybe some moment that you remember that you just said, man, that was a turning point. That was where life turned and I knew the direction I was going to go. Yeah, I, I went to high school in Montgomery County. I mm -hmm. went to a private school, Philmont Christian, across the county line from Bucks County where my parents lived and I lived with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was an interesting school. Basketball was the key thing there, and I played and did pretty well and had a lot of fun with that and probably didn't study as hard as I should have and certainly didn't behave as well as I should have. Mm -hmm. But I had one teacher, and uh, her name was Ginny Semmel. She later got married, and it's uh, Ginny Tolliver today, who was an English teacher right. and very demanding. I don't know that we always liked her that much uh, in those days, but we really respected her. And we came to really like her. She became our homeroom teacher for two years in a row because we requested that she be wow. our homeroom teacher for our senior year. And she really taught me how to use the English language. And that's been such a blessing because that's what I do every day. Right. And so I owe so much of that to her. And uh, I've said thank you a few times to her personally, but you know, if I had the chance to, today, she's still living, uh, I'd certainly say it again because the things that people say I do well were largely because of the teaching that she did way back when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. And, of course, I thought I was a Division One athlete. I didn't mm -hmm. turn out to be. I came out here to the Mid-State, to Messiah College, had a great time there, uh, probably too good a time there, you know. <laughs> but the one thing that I remember of all my college years was Carlton Whitlinger, who was the head of the history department. I was a history major, mm -hmm. as you know. I love history. <clears throat> And he used to always tell us, and he did it repeatedly, you know, it was one of those things that just got pounded into our psyche, that we see things not as they are, but as we are. Hmm. We see things not as they are, but as we are. And that has really stuck in my head uh, for many years. Uh, my final bit of education in terms of sitting in a classroom was at Villanova Law School. Right. And I am a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't practiced law in a long time. I keep my license, as you know. But uh, I run one of communications, uh, a small business where uh, we can help build other people's dreams. And uh, law school was a good experience. Um, and that was the culmination of my formal education. But then I had the opportunity to teach. And as a former teacher, you know how rewarding yes. that is and how much more you learn than the students do. You really do. I mean, they were always very gracious and very kind and saying, you taught us so well, but I learned so much more from them and just going through learning with them uh, than they ever could have gotten from me. And I love teaching. I wish I could still do it today, but other things have called. When you talk about quantum communications, this company you got started, what do you do? I mean, talk about that because, again, we're talking about helping people to realize dreams. And we're talking about dreams today and what really matters. What do you do here with Quantum? We do corporate communications. We say we are strategy, advocacy, and media. Mm -hmm. So we help people create strategic plans for telling their story. I mean, right. we're storytellers, and that's what we do for a living. And we do it in a variety of different mediums. We do it on television. We do it on radio. As you know, I spent over 20 years in television myself. But we help other people do that. We help corporate leaders mm. deliver their message. We help them write speeches. We help them prepare for media appearances. And we do it on the political side a little bit as well. But mostly we do it with issues, right. issue advocates, strategy, advocacy, media. And we've promoted a variety of important causes like the safe and responsible development of our natural gas, which... We were on from the very beginning. We actually coined the phrase, a gold mine beneath our feet. Right. <clears throat> and now a lot of candidates are using that. 
We're happy about that. They can steal our phrases anytime they want. Um, but we've worked with a variety of different folks in healthcare, in transportation, but mostly in energy. And we've fought against some things. When Ed Rendell tried to toll Interstate 80, right. we got called by a variety of chambers of commerce up there and small businesses that thought that tolling I-80 would choke them economically and literally drive them out of business. We went to battle for them. We fought that fight for a long time, and we won so that I-80 wasn't tolled, and we got the opportunity to keep that lifeblood of the northern tier of Pennsylvania flowing. You talk about dreams. You start the whole process over again of laying out dreams for your sons. You have two boys. I know you're very proud. And a daughter. And a daughter. <laughs> and you want to lay out your dreams for your two boys and your daughter. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the, you know how you've now translated that onto them from what you've done. Well, I think that the key for dreams, Eric. Eric, I'm calling you Eric. Yeah, your son. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. My, I think the key for dreams, Gary, is to pursue your passions. And if you don't have one, discover it. You know, try as many things as you can and discover what really gets you going when your feet hit the floor in the morning. My son Eric discovered his so early, and I was so thrilled about that. He's a technology guru. He just graduated from Bloomsburg and got a very high-paying job working for Verizon right out of school. Wow. He does cybersecurity for them, which is a you know really growing and developing area. He's a digital forensics expert. And he loves it. I mean, he has since he was in junior high school. He always wanted to pursue a technology career. And he has another passion. He's a firefighter, mm. a volunteer fireman. And I'm so proud of him for what he does there. While he was in college, I think he answered the second or third most calls of the Hampton Fire Company, which is a big one. As you know, they get a lot of calls in a year. AJ, my other son, is a very, very bright young guy. But he hasn't yet discovered his true passion. He thought he wanted to be a lawyer. Kind of trying to dissuade him. <laughs> and now he's studying business, and I right. think he's found it. You know, I think he's going to be a financier of some note. <laughs> but when he was little, he wanted to be George Lucas. You know, right. and my daughter Stephanie loves animals. She wow. always has. She had a horse, and she loved the horse, and she had a dog, and she loves her dog, and she's studying to be what is it in effect a physician's assistant hmm. to veterinarians. Wow. She's studying, you know, to take her passion and develop into it into a career. So I'm really proud of my kids. They're really wonderful kids, and they have done some really good things already in life, and I look forward to all the magnificent things they'll do along the way. Speaking of passion and dreams, and we're talking with Charlie Giroux, candidate for governor, uh, a lot of passion and dreams on display out at the farm show this past week. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you had a chance to get out there a lot, and you were talking to a lot of people, and you're seeing people who do a lot of things with their hands, and you're seeing products, and you're seeing, uh, you know, what Pennsylvania really has to offer. Were there any stories, anything that you saw out there this week that kind of just, you stood back and you said, wow, as governor, I'm going to be in the way of helping these dreams not come to pass or in the, you know, be able to help these people kind of see more of their dreams uh, come to fruition here in the state yeah, of Pennsylvania. You, you know, Gary, I love the farm show. I know they you call do. me a farm show groupie. Right. My buddies all laugh at me because I'm there every single day. Right. And I always have it. It's not because I'm running for governor that I'm there every single day. Right. I'm always there every single day. And what's really interesting is that when I first came to central Pennsylvania 40 years ago, I had no idea what the farm show was. And somebody said, we got to go to the farm show. I'm like, the what? I was hooked the minute I got there. Right. And you do see the dreams, because so many of these young people in particular spend all year preparing for the farm show. This is the culmination of an awful lot of work. Some of it not so pretty. Some of it really downright dirty. 
but they've worked so hard, so conscientiously, for a long period of time to get to the farm show. Where I was really struck this week was in talking to some people from Fox Chase. Now, as you know, Fox right. Chase is Philadelphia, That's right. and they have an urban farm, and they're concerned about the preservation and existence of that urban farm over the course of the next few years. That's something I'd fight for as governor because they love it. You see their passion wrapped around what they've done there over the course of a lot of years. And the chance that that would be taken from them is really disturbing. So, you know, being willing to take on those fights and win for those people is what drives me. You know, the average age of the farmer here in Pennsylvania is 59 years. And um, a lot of them are worried about how to pass this on. What could you do as governor to help make that job easier and, and to help these dreams come through for another generation? Well, it extends beyond agriculture, Gary. It's how do we keep our young people here? Because yes. the problem is a lot of these young folks are moving off of the farm and going to South Carolina or Florida or Texas or Arizona to pursue other dreams because those states have made it easier to pursue your dreams. So how do we make it easier in Pennsylvania to pursue our dreams? Well, it's the old Ronald Reagan formula. Lower taxes. We've got some of the highest taxes in the country. We still haven't done anything about property tax. We haven't eliminated the property tax, although we've been talking about it since I was in college. Right. Nothing has been done. So as governor, I want to put my shoulder to the wheel and make sure that our tax system gets in line with allowing us to be competitive, not only with the other 50 states, but with the nations of the world, because that's really what we are. And to give our kids the opportunity to pursue their dreams here in Pennsylvania, rather than having to move elsewhere. And that especially impacts our farming community because the taxes there are onerous in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. and we've got to do things as simple as rural broadband to allow them the same opportunities that folks have right here in the city. And obviously when you talk about natural gas, we've had the big boom in natural gas in Northeast Pennsylvania over the years, and a lot of farms have been kind of in that whole mix as well. Well, natural gas really is the key to our future. Right. And what's happened over the course of the past 10 or 12 years with the jobs that have come, high-paying jobs, yes. with the opportunities that have come along with that, with the boom to our economy, the economic growth that's been realized because of natural gas, the benefits to consumers with lower home heating costs, and the future opportunities because of things like the cracker facility out in western Pennsylvania where they're taking the distillates out of the natural gas, the wet gas, and allowing plastic products to be made and molded. Uh, and all these little up around that cracker facility there, we could do two or three more in Pennsylvania. We're going to have to compete with other states because they have the same dream. We want to fulfill it here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And again, for agricultural jobs, we want to make this a destination. I think that's a dream you have. And I know at the very basis of your run here for governor, from the people, for the people, is the dream that you have for Pennsylvania, much like your mother had a dream for you to be able to perhaps speak some English and read and write a little bit. Uh, I think you've got a dream that we get back to the people again. I think that's an important dream to have, an important vision to have in your run. It's the key. From the people. I'm from the people. I'm not a professional politician. I'm a small business owner, and I live and deal with people every single day. I listen to them. And from the people is at the core. And then an agenda that's for the people, that will allow everybody the opportunity, because that's what people want. They don't want promises of absolute success. They want the opportunity to pursue their dreams. And you do that through individual liberty and individual freedom. You do it through personal responsibility, and you do it through creating an environment in which they can win.
it's interesting that coming up Monday we have Martin Luther King Day and maybe one of the most famous speeches of all time, the I Have a Dream speech. Uh, it's good for us to dream in our country and good for us to have the idea of bringing those dreams to reality. I was uh, reading something today by Jack Johnson, the famous boxer, who said, don't let a dream stay a dream. Right. You know, that's an important thing. Make that dream a reality. I know that's something you're trying to do right now. And one of the ways you're doing it is you're having people call you directly and talk to you directly. Talk about that a bit. Well, I have put my personal cell phone number out before. 13 and million. I thought I was the only 13. one that had. I know, so, you know, yeah. a lot of people say, I used to feel so special. I don't feel so special anymore. Well, I want every Pennsylvanian to feel very special. Exactly. I've put my number out in front of 13 million of my fellow citizens. It's 717-877-8194. It rings right here in my pocket, and I'll answer it. I got a call, as you know, from a guy the other day, and he said, is this really Charlie Jerome? I said, well, who are you expecting? Yeah. Couldn't believe it was me. Thought he was going to get some answering system or some 800 number crossover. But I want to hear what people have to say. I want to hear what their dreams are. I want to hear how we can help them pursue those dreams and fulfill those dreams and make life better for their families, their futures. And ultimately, when you do that, it's better for all of us. Dreams are only dreams if you don't put some reality to it. And if you don't have things that you're going to do to make them come true, Charlie's trying to make that happen right now. Keep an eye on what he's doing, and we'll look forward to our next time uh, here when we talk about the things that really matter. Businessman, conservative, patriot, Charlie Giroux for governor.